Man, keep going. I love it. <laughs> hey, good morning, church. I say good morning. So good to be here. Uh, we're happy to be uh, back in America. Me and my family, my family is still in the hotel room. They're going to come to late service. They're not as Christians as you are getting up early, coming to church. Um, brought my two teenage daughters with me. They weren't really happy about the early service, but they're going to make it to the second one. But we love being here. Uh, it's such an honor to be in America, to be here in the Woodlands and with you guys. And just got to say, I love, I love you guys. I love your pastors so much. I love this country. This country received me when I was a 20-year-old boy on the run from life, messed up. I came here and uh, I found a home. I found God. I found ministry. And uh, I lived here for so many years before I moved back to Sweden. And uh, I'm so grateful every time I have the opportunity to be back in this great uh, country and meet all you great people. And it's going to be a good day in church. I can't uh, wait to open the word and see what God has for us today. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much this morning. God, I pray that you will speak to us, Lord. And God, whatever challenges we're facing this morning, I pray that we'll walk out of here lighter, Lord. God, your word will always bring freedom and break bondage, Lord. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would do today what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Man, I love this band. I love the drums. You, you got a sister who plays drums that can come to Sweden? Man, this is awesome. Hey, you know it's going to be a good morning in church when you got a Wu-Tang shirt. Man, I like that. Welcome to church. You're in the preaching section as well. Pretty awesome. Well, we're going to get into the Word before we get into trouble. Uh, it's either one or another. And uh, I just want to go straight into the Word. I got my reading glasses on. That's how old I am. I'm turning 47. Man, everything's getting smaller. <laughs> I can't see the Word of God. The Word of God is supposed to grow on you, but it's getting smaller by the year. I want to talk to you today, if you want a title for this message, I know I've been listening to Pastor Chris, uh, Chris and Carrie for so many years, and they're so organized, man, they're such brilliant speakers, so I figured I got to have some points today. Now, I'm an old school preacher, you know, like I just, I feel it, I read it, and we'll see what, what God wants to do, but I got some points for you today, so you get something to take with you at home, but if you want a title for this message, the title of this message is, The Size of Your Challenge is the Size of Your Destiny. The size of your challenge is the size of your destiny. Sometimes you got to look at your challenge and say, hey, if that's the size of my challenge, there's a good size of my um, destiny. We're going to go to John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's like Jesus setting us up for what life is. Sometimes we think, you know, becoming a Christian, it should be all great. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. My grandfather was a, a pastor of the church. My father was a choir director. My mom, the Sunday school teacher. And nobody knew my dad was an alcoholic. I mean, I'm in a perfect setting, but life is not so perfect. Even though we're all following God, decisions made by men is creating stuff in life that God never intended. And it's like Jesus is setting us up. He's saying, I have told you these things. It's like he's saying, hey, I'm telling you this so that you can have peace when stuff happens. See, if you know peace before stuff happens in your life, you know what to land on. 
The problem is if you don't know peace and you have trouble, you'll panic. So Jesus sets us up for this world, for this broken world. And he says, I'll tell you this, so you know that you can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Why do we have trouble in this world? How come now that I'm a Christian that not everything is great? God, I'm loving you. I'm serving you. Serving in church. Raising a family. Praying, believing, tithing. I'm doing everything. And still trouble comes. Well, we live in a world that is broken. And it has been broken since the day we left God in the Garden of Eden. Someone just asked me on the plane not too long ago, Andres, how, how can you be a pastor and believe in God when the world looks like it is? I was just in Ukraine early on in the war. We got a church there. And I just got it in my heart to go there uh, and visit with our pastors and our team because they were all hiding in bunkers while their cities are being bombed down to ash. And I got it in my heart and we, we drove in there. We snuck up across the border up north close to Belarus and we drove in there and we were going to deliver armor-plated vests to our teams who are bringing food and medicine to old people stuck in buildings that have been bombed. And we were bringing uh, armor-plated vests and sat phones and stuff just trying to help them. And every checkpoint we stop at, you got young guys pointing, you know, AK-47s at you and you, you wonder, how did the world get to this? And someone asked me, Andres, how can you believe in God when the world looks like it is? If you've heard me preach here before, last time I was here, I told you about my youngest daughter. She's going to be in the next service, Angelina Africa Hope. She was born with a, with a messed up heart. She was four months when she had to have an eight-hour-long heart surgery just to try to patch her heart up together. How, how come that happens when, when you believe in God? Well, we believe in God, and we believe He is real, and He is for us, and He is with us. But this world, my friend, is not what God created. This is what we created. This is when we said, we'll do a better job than God. We're going to eat of that tree. We're going to take things into our own hands and we can, we can be our own masters. This is what we've done. And the world we're living in is the result of our creation. Adam was walking with God in complete peace, in harmony, lacking nothing. There's no evil, no war, no hate, no crime. It was all good. But we left perfect because perfect wasn't enough for us. And then we created this world. And it's like Jesus, it's like he understands, even though we're not of the world, we, we still got to live in it. And he sets us up by saying, hey, when stuff happens, remember this. This is how you have peace in the world. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why would he prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies if they're never going to be any enemies? I don't know if you got enemies. I think I got a few. I don't know. And they just write to me on social media. I've never seen them. I don't know who they are. If you know who your enemies are and they're here, don't look at them. You know, like, we all got them. Bible says you'll have enemies. But he says he'll prepare a table for you. Even in the midst of your enemies, in the midst of people rising up and working against you. God says, I look after you if you keep trusting me. So what are we going to do with the fact that we live in a world that is messed up and broken, even sometimes with enemies? And God says, there's a way that you can live in peace. If we're going to live in that peace, we got to have to learn how to overcome challenges, overcome trouble, 
overcome adversity. Now, I couldn't say that word last night. So I've been practicing all day, all night. Man, that's a weird word. Adversity. I got it right? Adversity. I was saying it different last night. I said, you know, I should, I should preach a simpler message than putting ad adversity into my message. <laughs> but I want to talk to you this morning about three reasons for adversities. Three kind of adversities that you'll face in your life. And I want you to hear this so you know what to do. So you just don't run off or panic or throw your hat in or just quit. You're going to face trouble. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. So we're going to look at three reasons for adversity. The first reason is, number one, why we have adversities. I don't listen to God. Now, see what I did there? I didn't say you don't listen to God. I put it on myself. I said, I don't listen to God. And you can put your own name in there. If you like, and I'll tell you why. See, I love the story of Jonah. Jonah in the Bible. I've heard it since I grew up. You know, Jonah, he, God called him. He ran away. He got caught up in a big old fish, and he got spit up on the shore, and he went about and do God's business. But here's the thing with Jonah that is awesome. We're going to read from Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. That's a even harder word. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and heeded for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And if you read the story, once he's on the boat, there's a big storm coming. And Jonah tells everybody on the ship, hey, just throw me overboard. I am the reason for the problems. I am the reason that we're in trouble. Why? Because Jonah went the other way. Why did he do that? I thought about it. Why did Jonah go the other way? Did he have a lack of faith? Was he a rebel? No, you know what? I think Jonah went the other way because he had a lot of faith in God. He actually knew and believed that God was going to deliver on his promise, and he wanted no part of it. He knew if God says that he, he wants to save Nineveh, Jonah goes, man, I don't even like him. I don't want him saved. They can go to wherever people go, you know. I don't want him saved. God, if you send me there and you say you want to save him, I want no part of it. Sometimes God wants to do stuff that we don't approve. So listen to this. Jonah, he pays his way out of God's will. How stupid are we sometimes? It's not like he could have just sat there. Instead, he's spending his money to get himself out of the will of God. You imagine the amount of money that we spent that pulled us away from the will of God. The amount of resources we spent on stuff that pulled us away from the Lord. So Jonah is on the run. First point, I don't listen to God. Jonah didn't run because he doubted God. He ran because he didn't like what God was going to do. He paid his way out of God's will. The amount of trouble that I've caused myself over life. You know, I can't blame God for that. Oh, it's the devil. No, it's not the devil. <laughs> it's you, my friend. It's me. We bring it on ourselves, the decisions we make, 
the standards we live by, you know, the, 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 the stuff we do, where we let our mind go, how we let our mouth talk, how we live our life. We, we, we pay our way out of the will of God. We make decisions that brings us away from the Lord. You know, uh, Forrest Gump, he said, stupid is as stupid does. John Wayne, he said, life is tough, but it's tougher when you're stupid. <laughs> it's like Jesus knew that when he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but you have more trouble if you're stupid. If John Wayne would have added to Jesus' quote, which he can't, he'd say, in this world, you will have trouble, and even more trouble if you're stupid. See, a lot of stuff in my life is... He, it was just me being stupid. And go, oh God, where are you? God's like, man, you brought this on yourself. I told you to go to Nineveh, but you paid your way out of your calling. How'd I get here? And you go, God, I'm under attack. No, you're not under attack. You brought that, you're firing on yourself, buddy. Sometimes we're up against challenges. And we just got to be honest and real and say, God, what is going on here? God, where did I get it wrong? Where did I get on the wrong boat heading for Tarshish when you called me to go to Nineveh? See, I believe deep down most of us, we know where we're supposed to be. We know what we're supposed to do. We just don't do it sometimes. We just like other stuff. It's like, God, how come my life is like this? Well, it's like, God, where are you? And God's like, I'm right where I called you to be. And God says he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. But he's not going to stop you for being, can you say stupid in, in here? I just said, you know, he's not going to stop you if that's what you want to do. It's, it's like, you know, dating that guy, you know, like, everybody told you. Everybody told you. His last 15 girlfriends told you. It's like, pastor, I've been dating 10 guys and they've all been scumbags. Well, there's only one common denominator in all those 10 relationships. <laughs> hey, 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 Sunday morning. Tone it down a little bit, all right? <laughs> you know, sometimes life is just what we make it. And we just run it our own way and we just do it the way we want to do it. And then we go, God, where are you? Well, I'm not in the club 3 a.m. in the morning. God, how do I get out of trouble? Go home. Don't pay the entrance. God, I'm so weak. I'll keep falling. Yes, because you're in the club. Four in the morning, closing it down, buddy. Get out of the club and you won't be that weak. Go home, go to church, do something better. Find yourself a good wife. Sorry, I'm from Sweden. We just preach like this. <laughs> I like you guys. And sometimes you're making a business deal that in your heart you know is wrong. You just know this is, comp this is compromising my values. This is compromising the righteousness of God. And you wonder why God can't bless your business. Sometimes we got to backtrack and say, God, where did I go to Tarshish and paid my way out of your will when you called me to go to Nineveh and serve you? Sometimes adversity comes on us because we don't listen to God. 
Moses, in Old Testament, you know, he brings all of Israel. Can you imagine being Moses? Man, I just like, I'm just going to preach it like I see it. Can you imagine being Moses? That's like such a bad job to have. He brings all of Israel out of Egypt. For 400 years, they've been praying, oh, God, bring us out of slavery. Oh, God, deliver us. We've been whipped. We've been, we're slaves. We're being, you know, killed over here. We, 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 the, the Egyptians, they're killing us. God, would you send a deliverer? And God sends Moses, and he brings them out of Egypt. They walk for a little bit, and they get to the water, and they go, oh, Moses, what are we going to do? And someone said, in Egypt, at least we had bread. Bread. It's not even good for you. Not at my age, at least. I always go for the bread first. And most of go like, what are you, what are you talking about bread? We're about to, we got a Red Sea here. And the first adversity they had, they wanted back in slavery. What's wrong with us? We run into trouble and we go, let me get the trouble that I know that I'm used to, the slavery, the bondage that I know. Sometimes we're more comfortable with the bondage that we know instead of stepping out in faith into the unknown, but into the freedom that God has. First thing that happened, they wanted Moses to bring him back to Egypt. But Moses, he splits the sea and they walk through and they get in the desert and they go, Moses, we're thirsty. We got no water. Where'd you, where'd you lead us? Where'd you take us? There's no water here. All they do is complaining. You deliver them 400 years of slavery. All they do is complain. I'm like, I'm traveling with a wife and two teenage daughters. I mean, that can be a trip. But Moses, he's got like a whole freaking nation with him. <laughs> Moses, we don't have bread. Moses, we're thirsty. Moses, I'm hot. Moses, I'm cold. I'd be like, go back to Egypt. We don't need you. More food for us. Come on, somebody. So Moses says, God, here they go again. You want to kill them? No? Okay. Then they're thirsty. And Moses goes, okay, uh, God told me to, to hit the rock with my, with my rod, with my staff, and water's supposed to come out. Look at this, guys. And boom, he hits the rock. Water comes out. Everybody drinks. Everybody's good. Moses, you're the man. God, we love you. That's like us. You know, God, he, he answers our prayer. Oh, God, I love you. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Then you got here. Your car doesn't start. And you go, God, you, where are you? I'm never going to trust you again. Second time, they need water. Guy goes to Moses. Moses. And Moses goes to God, rather, and says, God, we need water again. And God says, this time, Moses, I don't want you to hit the rock. I want you to speak to it. Why? Because he's God. He wants our trust. He's more concerned about us trusting him, obeying him, than how the miracles come about. Miracles is no big thing for God. It's big for us, but it's no big thing for God. He can do anything. So he tells Moses, Moses, speak to the rock. Why? Because it's like he wants Moses to follow God, not just look for the practical outcome of his problem. But Moses, he, he goes back to what he knows. Instead of speaking to the rock, he hits it again. Water comes. It looks like a blessing. But God tells Moses, because you didn't listen, you're not going to get into the promised land because obedience is better than sacrifice. God says, I want you to trust me and follow me. I don't want you to bring these challenges and these troubles on you. Or in your life, do you need to just have a look and say, God, I brought this on myself. I need to... I need to do better. I need to make, I need to make different decisions. I, I paid my way out of your will. God, I want to re-surrender back into everything you have for me. The second thing, second reason for adversity is sometimes an attack from the enemy. 
I had a good advice given to me by, from a pastor once. He said, Andreas, when you just feel like there's something wrong and you can't put your finger on what it is, you, you try to do everything right and it just feels like something's coming against you and there's no logical reason why. And he said, often it's a spiritual attack. The Bible says we have an enemy who wants to, seeks to kill, uh, kill and destroy and mess with our life. He hates the fact that we're representing the image of God, that we're mirroring the goodness and, and the righteousness of God into this world, and he hates us. He can't stand it, so he's promised that he's going to do everything he can to, to come against us. And Daniel in Old Testament, I'm going to read a, a longer passage, but Daniel, he's in a country uh, where everybody's uh, worshiping idols. Everybody is turning their backs on God, and, and Daniel trying to be righteous and stand up for God and, and stand strong in his faith when everybody around him is, is just turning their backs towards the Lord and, and worshiping idols. And, and Daniel, he's praying. He says, God, I need you. God, you need to show up. God, I'm alone here. God, I don't know what to do. God, God, I need you to do a miracle. I need you to answer my prayers. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. And in Daniel chapter 10, I don't know if you ever felt like you keep praying, 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 and nothing happens. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, it says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true, and he concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. I ate no food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotion at all until three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river Tigris, and I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upas, uh, Upas uh, around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished um, bronze, and his voice uh, like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw this vision. Those who were with me didn't see it. But such terror overwhelmed them, they, they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned de deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I was listening to him, do you realize there's one thing uh, hearing and another thing to listen? And he says, as I listened to him, I fell into deep sleep, my face uh, uh, to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, check this out. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me in 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, a princess, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen uh, to your people in the future for the vision uh, concerning a time yet to come. So here's Daniel, and he's saying, God, I've been praying. I've been waiting. Where are you? I don't know about you, but this story, it gets me every time. I have stuff I've been praying about for years. I was praying about my father for years. It's 15 years since I drove him to rehab, and he, he broke the alcoholism in his life and rededicated his life to the Lord. And, man, we got a great relationship. I love him. He's lived with us for years, and, and he's just an awesome, awesome dad. But for years I was praying to God, God, would you please help my dad? Would you please make him stop drinking? Would you please turn it around? I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying. Nothing seemed to happen. I remember laying my hands on 
My daughter said, God, heal her. Let her not have to go through this surgery. She had to go through two open heart surgeries. I pray what happened. Daniel goes, God, I pray, where are you? And then the angel comes to Daniel and said, Daniel, I need you to know that God heard your prayer the first time you prayed. Your prayers were heard the first time. And he says, I've sent, I sent an angel, but the angel was interrupted by the, the principal, the spirit of Persia. It's like an answer to the prayers on its way. But in the supernatural, evil forces is trying to stop what God is wanting to bring to Daniel. So the angel says, I had to ask Michael. You know, it's, God means business when he says Michael. I had to send Michael to take him out so my messenger could get to you. Here's the thing. And the angel says, Daniel, your prayer was heard the first time you prayed. I need you to understand that praying to God is not working yourself up to a certain level or, you know, a bulk of prayers or, you know, like a sum of a lot of prayer. There's not a level you got to reach where you go, now God has heard your prayer. No, you can be at home and you can say with the most unreligious words. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know God. You can walk out here today and say, God, help me. And he heard you. It might take a while to shift some things around for the miracle to come through, but I need you to believe as you prayed the first time, you have to understand that God heard your prayer, but there's an evil one out there. The devil, he wants to stop you. He wants to mess up your life. You know, and the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and evil spirits and evil forces. God has a plan for your life, but the enemy has sworn to work against it. And destroy it. And sometimes we just need to le learn how to just dig down our boots in the ground and stay strong. Daniel fell on his feet and God said, stand up. I heard you pray. A miracle is on his way. And I just want to tell someone here today. Maybe you came for what I'm about to say right now. Listen to what I got to say. Your miracle is on the way. You've been praying for your marriage. God tells you the miracle is on the way. I've heard your prayers. I just got to work out some stuff. There's some stuff that's trying to hinder my, my deliverance and my freedom and my restoration, but it will come. You just stand strong and wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Someone in here, you say, God, I prayed. I need a breakthrough in my business. God heard your prayer. The miracle is on his way. The answer is on its way. He just got to work through some stuff, but he'll come to you. He said, I never leave you. I never forsake sake you there will not be a day where I'm not going to be your Lord and your provider sometimes we face adversities because we have an enemy who can't stand the fact that we're following the Lord and he wants to bless you and he wants to provide for your life and sometimes we just got to stand strong in faith and know that he that had he who started a good work in us he is righteous and just and he will complete it I love that he will complete it even to the day of the Lord, in Jesus' name. And third reason for adversities, which is the best one, God wants to promote you. Have you ever noticed that God has a way of using challenges to birth us into our destiny, into our promise? All the stuff in my life, listen, all the stuff in my life that has been a breakthrough, that has been an answer, has followed some major challenges. It's like 
You got to overcome something. It's like you got to get over that hill. It's like the enemy knows if I can stop you here, you're never going to get into that destiny. And sometimes God will use adversities to launch you in to your destiny and to the promises that he has for your life. I like David and Goliath, and I'm going to end on this. David and Goliath, you know my favorite story in the Bible. David is just a young kid. He's just out in the field looking after tending his father's sheep. He's, he's got all the brothers. They're all soldiers. They're out there facing the Philistines. And, and Goliath, the giant, you know, like a nine, well, I don't know what it was, like a nine, ten foot giant, a massive soldier, trained to be a soldier from birth. He's stepping out, mocking, trash talking, like Conor McGregor. He's trash talking the Philistines. And everybody's just standing there paralyzed. They're all strong, big boys. And David, you know, like a teenager, he comes up with sandwiches to his brothers. And as he gives them sandwiches, he says, hey, who's that guy? His brother goes, don't you worry about that. Go back to the sheep. And he goes, no. Who's that guy? He says, it's Goliath. Nobody can take him. He's been mocking us all day, every day, for weeks and months. And David says, I'll take him. Is this something more frustrating than someone who you think is weaker than you steps up to the plate when you don't? It's like, getting advice from your daughters. <laughs> they come often and free, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like when you walk out the door, you're about to walk out the door and they see you and they go, okay, I go, I didn't ask. <laughs> they just give you the nod or they go, no. Too old, can't wear that, put that back. <laughs> I said, at least I pay for my clothes. Come on, somebody. Now, next service they hear, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> See, David, he was just there to serve. But God had other plans. David didn't know he was an assignment. He thought he was bringing sandwiches. He thought he's coming with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But God had him on an assignment. So sometimes you don't know. You think you're just going. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I just serve on team. Man, you got these awesome, you know, people out here as you're driving, waving at you. Fantastic people. First impression. Feels so welcome. What do you know? Maybe God has you there because he's launching an assignment. Maybe you'll meet someone in the parking lot and you get to talk to each other and he will lead to something just because you were there serving. Sometimes God is using us in a way we don't even understand. He was just there bringing sandwiches. But that day was no mistake. He was there in a divine appointment. And when he heard Goliath, he said, I'll take him. And the brother says, who do you think you are? It's like a teenager. He says, I'm David. I'll take him. And Saul goes, what do you do? Check this out. I didn't see this until just a couple of weeks ago in the Bible. David said, I used to tend my father's sheep. Woo. Now, he was just on a break bringing sandwiches from the sheep. But it was like he knew inside that something was about to shift. The obstacle he was facing was about to launch him into something else. The obstacles you're facing, maybe God put him there because he's about to launch you into greater destiny greater purpose. It's not here to take you out. It's here to take you up. It's here to make you better. And Saul goes, well, I got to put you again, borrow my armor. And they put it on David. And David goes, I can't even move. What, even, what is this? Who wears this? It's not even cool. And David goes, take, get, I don't want, I need, I need to be who I am. 
I need to use what God has given me. And we can read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. Have you noticed how challenges sometimes just feels like they're coming closer and closer? And it says, he looked David over, you know, like my daughter. He go like, and he's big. And David's like, it was a quick over. It's like that. David's like, short guy. And he saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despited him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to a Philistine like only a teenager can talk back. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you. In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he just takes it further. Check this out. This day, the Lord will deliver you in my hands. Now he's trash talking. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I'll give the carcasses to the Philistine army and, and to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And David is walking down to the little river bend. Now, he didn't know how to swing a sword. But when the bear and the lions came, he knew how to use this little rock. And he, he just bent down and took up a few rocks and he put them in his bag. And as Goliath was trash-talking him, he kept feeling the rocks, the stones. And he said, no, not that one, not that one. And he goes, Goliath, keep talking. Keep talking. Come on. Come on, Goliath, keep talking. Just give me a second. Just keep talking. And then he feels that stone. And when you look at it from a human perspective, this is a no-win for David. But see, David, he understood that greater is he that is in me than anything that comes against me. you got to understand that the size of your challenge is the size of your destiny. Everybody looked at how great and how big Goliath was. David, he was looking at how great the victory was going to be after he killed him. See, you got to shift your way of looking at things. If you've been looking at an obstacle, you've been looking at a challenge, and you, all you've done is just measure up how big it is, how unbeatable it is, how impossible it is, you need to step aside, and you need to take a fresh look through the eyes of David, and you got to realize that God has given you everything you need. He's not going to use stuff that you don't know. He, he's going to bring you back to the things you know. Pick up your stones, whatever it represents in your life. And David, while Goliath is talking, he brings up a stone, and he starts swinging it, and he kills Goliath because God was with him. And that day, David's life shifted. His, his life was never the same. In the morning, he brought sandwiches. By the end of the night, they worshiped him like a king. They said, Saul, he's beaten a thousand, but David has beaten 10,000. The women were singing about him. People were parading about him. He didn't know. He was just bringing sandwiches. But when the obstacle came, when the challenge came, when, when, when the pushback came, he knew that God had a purpose for him, but he did not know that stepping up in obedience that day to what everybody thought was going to kill him, launched him into his destiny. What's ahead of you? What mountain do you have ahead of you? What challenges do you have? Health, marriage, business, kids? What's your Goliath? What if your Goliath is not here to take you out, but is here to launch you into your destiny? It's not here to kill you. It is here to show you the will of God. David had a king within him, but he didn't know. 
David had a king within him, but his brothers wanted him to go home. There'll be a point where destiny starts to call on you. When you dest- God's destiny, you will start to make a demand on who you are. And in that moment, you got to step up. If you're in a relationship that is not healthy, you need to step up. Every relationship needs a hero, someone who says, you know what? We're going to fight this together, not against each other. You know, if you need a miracle in your life and you have obstacles in your way, make make sure you think like David. Not about how big the obstacle is. Think about how big your God is. Because Goliath says, yeah, yeah, I come against you with a sword. And you can't even pick up my sword. It is so big. But David says, "You, you can come against me with whatever you want. I come against you in the name of the Lord. And he is greater than any weapon that ever will be formed against me. Swing your sword. Throw your spear. I don't care because the name of the Lord that is with me and in me is greater than anything. Sometimes adversity is here to make you better. It is here to show you what is inside of you. They told me growing up, Andreas, you'll never amount to anything. I remember people look me in my eye in the school as Andreas, you never have a job. You'll never do anything. You're a mess up. You cause trouble wherever you are. But one day I ran into a person who looked me in the eye and said, Andreas, all the stuff you have inside of you, if you stop messing around and give it to God, God will show you the future that he has for you. It was in me. I just didn't believe it. And there's stuff in you here today. There's miracles inside of you. There's destiny. There's purpose. There's the will of God. And maybe you have a Goliath looking at you. But maybe I was sent here from Sweden to tell you, greater is he that is in you than anything that can come against you. God is on your side. If it didn't come to kill you, it came to make you better. It came to reveal the goodness and the greatness of God and his mercy and his forgiveness and his love. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome this world. It's not one thing God can't do. That's not one thing that come against us that God cannot handle. There's wisdom for everything. There's power for everything. There's guidance. If we submit our lives to the will of God and we live by his word and we say, God, I want to live the life you created me to live. I want to follow you. I want to walk in your footsteps. I don't want to be Jonah who paid my way out of your will. I want to be David who steps up and find my purpose in God. you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray a simple prayer for anyone in this room. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've been coming a while. Maybe you're watching online. But you never made a decision to embrace the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is God's gift to us. Salvation is a gift from God. Salvation is not a religious thing that you do. You work up to a certain level and you're good enough and then God will accept you and you'll become a Christian. No, salvation is a gift from God. All you got to do is receive it. I'll never be good enough. I was brought up with religion. I never measured up until I realized I don't have to measure up because Jesus measured up for me. And the Bible says, whosoever believe and whosoever call on his name, wherever you are, however you are, how, how, how small or big faith you have that matter. That matter what your life looks like right now. The Bible says that your heart has a door and Jesus knocks on that door. And the Bible says whoever opens the door, Jesus will come straight in. No questions asked. He knows everything about you. He sees into every, he sees into every area of your life, even the stuff that you don't show anybody. He sees the good stuff. He sees the filth. He sees everything. And he says, I'm not scared of it. I'll come straight in. 
I live inside of you. See, peace is not a feeling, it's a person. His name is Jesus. Forgiveness is not just easing the burden, it is a person, his name is Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever receives him shall be saved. And today I wonder, have you ever received the gift that Jesus is? Whoever you are, I want you to know that long before you decide what you're going to do with God, he decided what he's going to do with you. He said, I love you unconditionally. God has loved you since the day you were born, and he'll love you forever. And he keep knocking at the door of your heart, wanting to give you forgiveness and peace and everlasting life and a purpose with your life. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you're in this room and you say, Andreas, I never said yes to that. I never embraced that. I never invited Christ into my life. I never received forgiveness or peace. And you want to do that today, then I want to pray for you. I'm going to do it very simple. I'm going to count to three while everybody close their eyes. And when I say three, if you say, Andreas, when you pray, would you please include me? I want to surrender my life to the Lord. I want to accept forgiveness. I want to accept Christ into my life as a gift from God. Right where I'm at today with all my questions, all my doubts, today I'm making decisions. I want to accept accept him into my life. I want to receive him into my life. When I say three, if you say, Andreas, and when you pray, include me in that prayer, then I want you to lift your hand when I say three. But before I do that, I want to tell anyone in this room who says, Andreas, I'm not right with God. I'm like Jonah. I've paid my way away from God. I'm on the run. I need to come back home. I need a fresh start. I need to re-surrender my life to God. My friend, don't walk away the same way you came. If you're on the run from God, come home. Come back. He loves you. His arms are open for you. Everything he said is still, still there for you. And if you need a fresh start with God and you need to live that life that he's called you to, today I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if you want to receive him for the first time or you need a fresh start with Jesus, put your hand up when I say three. I just want to know I'm praying for you. You ready? One, two, three. Put those hands up. So Andres, pray for me. Think of me. Include me in that prayer. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know I'm praying for You can put your hand down. Thank you so much. Come on, everybody in the church, everyone online, repeat this prayer all together after me. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing can separate me from your love. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we clap it up for everybody who made that decision? Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing a worship song. And if you got to make some decisions about what I preached about today, doing this worship song, let it be real. Let God speak to you. Maybe you need to change some stuff or just start having new faith that God will bring you through in Jesus' name. God love you. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.